Hello and welcome to the Omaha Podcast, where Omaha's most successful entrepreneurs help you grow your business. I'm your host, Matt Tompkins of Two Brothers Creative. Are you doing the same things that other successful entrepreneurs in Omaha are doing? I know I've tried about everything. I've tried to emulate Omaha's most successful entrepreneurs in many different ways, like wearing the same clothes, eating the same cereal. I even wore a tie once. Gross, never again. But all of that is just window dressing. There are universal fundamentals for business and then there are the unique ways in which Omaha entrepreneurs set themselves apart from the rest of the country, if not globally. Jeff Beals has watched and been a part of Omaha's business community to not only see it all, but talk about it all in his radio show and podcast, Grow Omaha. In this episode, Jeff reveals what Omaha successful entrepreneurs are doing so that you can do it too. Aside from wearing the same skinny jeans, which I now realize was a bad idea. We've talked a lot about the things that people, customers, consumers can do to support specifically local businesses, small businesses right here in Omaha. Today, we're going to talk about what businesses can do to support other businesses and the common thread, the keys to finding success and making it stick and thrive as you survive in this uh, in this business climate today here in Omaha. Who better to talk about that with, with us is uh, the guy who's been here for pretty much it all, right? I mean, you were here when like business as a concept was just incepted, I believe, right? That's right. I've been around <laughs> a while, Matt. <laughs> uh, Jeff Beals, uh, he is a international, international keynote speaker. I've, I've never done international gigs, only like the, uh, uh, the, the rodeo in a small town every now and then. But I uh, know he's an award-winning author, sales strategist. And of course, we know each other from the radio show and podcast that you host, Grow Omaha, which is kind of a staple now on 11JK FAB. It's, would you say 19 years? It'll be 19 years in January since we started. I think like Mr. Mechanic, who, and the only reason I know this, it's not like I'm a fan, I mean, I am a fanboy, <laughs> but uh, I used to produce the morning show lineup Saturday mornings. I think my shift was 5 a.m. to noon. That's where we first met. Yep. And I had to edit Paul Harvey. When he was still uh, when he was still alive, that's how long this was ago. But I think our careers based in radio at KVB started almost the same time, which is kind of a cool origin story we just discovered. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, we were there. You, you were just getting started in your career, and we were just getting started doing radio. And when we started uh, doing Gromaha, we saw it as initially as a six month marketing experiment. We had no idea that it, that it would take off the way it did, and certainly it it was a good marketing tool, but it also became missionary. Uh, because we were interested in building up the city and in creating confidence among people in Omaha, and it did all that. You, I mean, Grow Omaha is, I would say, a resource that I would recommend any entrepreneur, business owner here in Omaha, and, and I'm, I'm sure the content is relevant to people outside of Omaha, but you were the first, I think you were ahead of the curve before podcasting was a thing, before uh, creating content for your business, original content was a necessity, you know, let alone people thinking about it. You were doing that before everybody else. And, you know, back in the day, there was just radio and television. Uh, today, there are a lot of options and you're, I know, kind of moving out into those arenas as, or you have moved out in those arenas mm -hmm. as well. So I know you've done this with the strategy work you've done with, with companies, with businesses. 
I, my first question I would ask you, and this is primarily just for me to know so that I can kind of bank it away to help myself and be selfish. How do you stay ahead of the curve? Like, how do you do those things before anybody else does them? Well, that, that's a good question. I think you always have to, um, you always have to have your creative mind working. You know, to give you an idea, yeah, Gromha started before podcasts were created, but I stole the idea for Gromha, believe it or not, from one of my favorite TV shows when I was a little kid in the 70s, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Yeah, okay. I mean, Wild Kingdom was a great show. It was on every weekend. I watched it with my grandparents and it had nothing to do with Mutual of Omaha, but everyone knew that Mutual of Omaha made it possible. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we were gonna do with Grow Omaha. We wanted to create something that had content that stood on its own merit, uh, but yet uh, would be um, associated with our company, whatever it was at the time <laughs> when, we were, when we were doing that. So, so I think you can find innovation by studying the past and and you think to yourself okay what was innovative 10 years ago 20 years ago 100 years ago okay translate that to the current times how can i use that historical knowledge in this environment right now to find something that's going to be future focused i think that that's a, a great point i mean that common thread there are things that just work and so when people look there today there are so many options like i got to be on facebook and instagram and and now TikTok, and i don't understand like how is any of this relevant to you know, selling donuts or whatever it is you might be doing with your business. And you look at the common thread, what made radio great was it was personality-based, it was, it was very focused with its content to a specific area, a region, a city, and that's the same thing that makes podcasts great. You know, mm -hmm. that's the same thing that makes great original content. I don't think it necessarily matters the form in which you're making that content, as long as it's good and it carries your brand along with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Radio is very much a niche business these days, and podcasting is far more niched mm -hmm. than that. And there's riches in the niches, as that's what my wife absolutely. says all the time. Uh, be specific, you know, with who you're targeting. A business should do the same legwork that uh, we do with podcasting. That you know, I'm a, a radio guy too at heart. That's where I started my first 12 years at there at the uh, iHeart Media there or iHeart Media today. It was Clear Channel back then. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing though we say what's who is your target listener you know who is your ideal listener is how we kind of phrase it a business should do that same thing like, who's your ideal customer if you don't know specifically who you're helping or who your product or service is for a how are you going to find them and then when you do how are you going to actually deliver what they need yeah, I think I think anytime you're writing a piece of content, if you're speaking on a podcast and my situation hosting a radio show, if you don't have the image, uh, even down to a face mm -hmm. of, of uh, who you're talking to, who you're trying to reach, you're probably not going to be successful because then you're going to be too much like an old fashioned broadcaster. <laughs> and like you said, the riches are in the niches now, yeah. Matt. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to something and podcasts are this way and the, the host says, hey, everybody around the world, well, I'm not everybody around yeah. the world, I'm just me. And I'm listening in my headphones while I'm you know, running on my treadmill. Okay, well he's speaking to everyone, not me. Right. And that's what you want to avoid. And as a business strategy, that's very important too. I mean, that's very effective. You, Eric Johnson actually is the one who showed you know, Ben and I when we started, he walked us through that target listener profile. Uh, Eric is still there at, at iHeartMedia and he's a great coach. He coaches podcasters as well. And you have to give them literally a name an age, how many kids do they have? You know, what is their salary, their income? How many cars do they have? What TV shows do they watch? What movies do they like? You have to know their interests and dial it in 
even more specific than that, I think, to uh, to really resonate. That's what it's all about, resonating deeply with people, you know, mm-hmm. for your podcast or your business. We're, so we're talking about different commonalities and themes today because you have been involved, I think, as an entrepreneur, as a strategist, speaking, obviously hosting Grow Omaha. What are, I wanna know what the key threads are that you see that connect all of the success stories, which there are a lot of, that come out of Omaha. I mean, what? What connects the the local small business owner? It's the same thing they're doing that made you know Warren Buffett successful on a you know bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in general to be successful in business, um, you have to like we already talked about know exactly who your target audience is. You have to know exactly what it is that you do to serve them, and then I think the the other two words that I always talk about. Uh, in Grow Omaha uh, with my partners and uh, when I talk to people in my my sales training uh, capacity that I do as another business um, are value and trust, the two most important words. And when it comes to value, you have to know exactly what it is that your client and prospective client values without any assumption or ambiguity. And and that's a real easy statement to make. And, and it sounds kind of simple, but it's yeah. very difficult. It is. To do that we kind of get in our own way, I think. And maybe, I don't know if this is accurate uh, in your experiences, but we think about what we want as a business owner, that may not be the same thing as what your customer wants. You know, you have to think about yeah. them before yourself. And our expertise colors that. I mean, Matt, you're an expert when it comes to media, podcasting, audiovisual productions, content creation. You're an expert at that sort of thing. And the people you work with are of course, not as big mm-hmm. of an expert at that. Otherwise, why would they use you? And so a, a person who's really successful is able to get past his own expertise and instead have that empathy to see the world through the client's eyes and, and understand what they truly value. And then I mentioned trust. If you do that, it's easy to establish trust. And then of course, your job is to keep bolstering and strengthening that trust over time. So, so in general, those things I just said right there, in my opinion, are the true foundational keys to success in business. I think that is 100% accurate. Uh, trust is a big one. I mean, we talk about, you know, you say trust and people don't think of trust necessarily when you think of watching a TV commercial or a ad campaign. I think that's what has made Grow Omaha as successful as it is for uh, your listeners and with your podcast and your other endeavors. It's a way to build trust. And you know, you do that through different forms of media, but people wanna do business with others they know, like, and trust. They have mm-hmm. to trust you. So if I watch this Geico commercial on television or I watch this, uh, you know, a local, I mentioned the donut shop, uh, I don't know why donuts are on my mind all the time, but you know, I want to trust them. It's you're buying the the person more than you're buying the product. I think most of the time. So trust is absolutely crucial for businesses here in Omaha, uh, locally here. What are the techniques outside of hosting their own podcast or radio show that you've seen work to build that trust? Well, I think uh, the, the things that build trust, first of all, are consistency and predictability. So if I'm consistent with the way I treat my clients, if I'm consistent with the way I treat my uh, coworkers and partners and employees and this sort of thing, I'm, I'm worthy of trust. If my behavior is predictable over a period of time, I'm, I'm, I'm worthy of trust. In this day and age, the faster you communicate with someone and the more responsive you are, people seem to think that you're trustworthy. So yeah. If I'm if I'm that typical person in in 2022 who's really bad at uh, getting back to people, that actually can erode trust a little bit. Yeah. And then if you look at you know in the media perspective, 
going back to Gromaha uh, with being consistent and predictable, we try to, on every radio show, um, have similar behavior, similar format. Uh, we try to be pretty balanced. I mean, sure, sometimes maybe personal opinions or political opinions might sneak out a little bit, yeah. but that's not our intention. But that's what we love about, I mean, your personality is that you're being yeah. authentic, right? Uh, right, yeah, yeah. I, I try to be authentic. And, and in all of our digital media work that we do in Gromaha, uh, we try to establish a track record of consistency consistency and predictability so that people trust us and, and th they can see us as a media source that's not not out to persuade someone to mm -hmm. some sort of agenda, but rather give them God honest news that is valuable to them. And hopefully we pray <laughs> in an entertaining yeah. format. I mean, that is that there's so many layers to like what makes someone trustworthy or makes someone yeah. trust you. I would say even things, and I think there's a, a lot of local businesses, I'm, I would throw myself in this category that has missed the mark or could improve on this, things like your website. I mean, mm -hmm. if you don't look trustworthy mm -hmm. at first glance, or if, if, you know, yeah, it's quick and easy to respond all the time on all these different platforms, and you think, well, I can just do this, I can do a Facebook commercial on my phone, or my nephew will do it. Well, you have that, you have one opportunity to make that first impression, to build that trust. And it is really hard to build trust when you have lost that, when you've totally missed that uh, opportunity or worse than that, you've made a bad impression. So mm. turning someone who doesn't trust you into someone who does trust you is much more challenging than someone who just doesn't know whether they can trust you and then you go from there. Right. Yeah. And Matt, that's where credibility and trust kind mm -hmm. of collide. You know, that you, you use the example of the website, how you look is a credibility factor. And then credibility helps make trust more possible. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if we're if we're dealing with a client that has been with us for 20 years, now the credibility thing's really not all that relevant anymore. Mm -hmm. But if we're dealing with a prospective client or a brand new client, and there's something out there, you know, before that you've built that trust that damages your credibility, your odds of getting trust down the road are not all that good. Yeah, and that's that's. I mean, that's a good point when you talk about like Grow Omaha. I think that's or podcasting or or having like an influencer mm -hmm. you know you have uh, there's a lot of brands a lot of local companies here uh, that I'm aware of that have built that trust and become really popular uh, outside of Omaha even uh, through Instagram and things like that building that trust though it is it takes time mm -hmm. it, it really does and you want that quick fix you want that quick I need sales today mm -hmm. but you think it's it's better to do it right and invest in the long-term play for, like you mentioned, a client you've had for 20 years, have that, uh, than just a quick boost in sales, but missing those long-term opportunities. Yeah, I don't think you ever wanna violate any of your principles for short-term gain, and, and, and trust, of course, ought to be one of a company's principles, but there's nothing that says that a company can't work on establishing a trusting culture, a trusted reputation over the course of years while still not actively prospecting in the beginning, yeah. right? Because, you know, like one of the things I teach as a, as a sales consultant trainer is, is how to start to establish some level of trust the moment I call you as a stranger mm -hmm. on the telephone. We have to do that. I yeah. mean, uh, you don't get enough business in most businesses if you're not calling people who've never heard of you and, and trying to convert them into clients. Uh, but there are some things that you can do right on the front end that can start to establish that trust. It, like cold calling as it's called it it's called that for a reason and it's very challenging to do i remember i dreaded every year as a boy scout having to sell popcorn i mean <laughs> the raffles <laughs> yes yeah. i mean even 
I mean, I made it up to Life Scout. My dad was an Eagle Scout. He still rubs it in my face to this day, but yeah, let him uh, go. <laughs> I would hate that. Even calling my grandma, I felt like oh, this is, I didn't see it as, I, that. that's how I perceived sales, I should mm -hmm. say. Today, I see it totally different. Today, I see it as relationship building. You're investing right. in relationships. Because uh, people tell me now, they're like, wow, you, you'd be really good at sales. And I did, I've done all the tests online where you figure out like, who are you? And you know, are you uh, this or that? Or your, your strengths challenge and you find out where you belong in an organization. And I would be a great salesperson. But I think back to Boy Scouts and I think, I, no, I'm terrible at sales. Uh, when I look at it from a relationship perspective though, you're, you're, what you're talking about is in line with that. I've built trust there first and then we do business with mm -hmm. each other, you know? And I think figuring out ways to to build that trust, I mean, there's the going golfing together is a good, you know, old school example, I guess, a traditional example. What are some other techniques you've seen, you know, when you're coaching people on sales that work to build that kind of instant trust? Um, and I don't know if this is applicable just to Omaha or, or more generalized, but either way, it works for businesses right here. Yeah, and, and we can talk about what's unique about Omaha in a moment, but in, in general, uh, the quickest way that you start to build trust is by focusing on that other word I said earlier, value. Mm -hmm. And so let's say I am going to be prospecting you. You and I have never met. And, and, and I want to get you to become my client. Um, the typical person is gonna call you up and say hi and ask to pick your brain for a 30 minute meeting, or they're gonna throw up a bunch of features and benefits about their company and product on you, which is gonna wanna make you run off of that phone as fast as you possibly can. If you wanna build a trusting relationship and in the short run have more success in converting people into your clients, I'm gonna study you I'm gonna figure out what your problems and challenges and goals likely are. I'm gonna hit that sort of stuff before I even mention a single feature or benefit about my business. It's a, it's a, I don't know, it's one of the keywords people like to throw around a lot today, but it's true. It's, what is your pain point? You know, yeah. Where are you hurting that I can help? I wanna give you yeah. free value before mm -hmm. I even ask you to work with me. And then all of a sudden you're more, you still may tell me to go to hell and jump in a lake, right? And that happens in business. That was one time I told you that. I don't I know. know why you have to bring that up. Like still it. a little skish. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's very true. I mean, you know, my brother and I, we spent a lot of time, you know, working in radio and broadcasting, so, transitioning to doing this now with you know kind of our own space and and helping uh, clients customer people own businesses entrepreneurs uh, do a podcast do video content etc it's a natural transition because a lot of these people we've worked with over the years anyhow we've built that trust it's not a big leap to doing this and would you say that that's for somebody who is an entrepreneur listening right now and they have that idea they're scared as hell to like take that leap of faith um, would you say, you know, if you know what you love to do and you want to do that and make money doing it, like find a way to do that, like a version of that that leads into, is that a good way to build into that success, building those relationships? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I've done. Um, I've, I've always, I, I've believed in a couple of things. One, uh, you should pursue your passions and always enjoy your work. I know it's a cliche <laughs> when people say, I look forward to getting up and going to work in the morning. Most days I do actually. Mm -hmm. so, so I think that's really important. And the other thing is, yeah, uh, ease into things that you want to do if you have a little bit of that entrepreneurial fear. Um, I have two businesses, but yet I still work as a W-2 employee for NAI and P Dodge. Now it's kind of this special arrangement I have with a company. It's kind of a de facto part-time, but I make sure I still provide a lot of value there and I do it because I thoroughly enjoy it. 
also get some health insurance, which doesn't hurt <laughs> that's, either, that's, right? Yeah, not bad, yeah. yeah. I, but I thoroughly enjoy that. I don't need to, to keep doing that job job. And you might even be able to make the argument that I might be hurting myself financially by staying in a job job, but I like it. It gives me some sort of grounding. I like the people. I, I use my colleagues at the real estate company as guinea pigs. And so, yes, you can you can ease into things. And, um, and the other thing is you, you try and figure out, okay, if I'm gonna do two or three different things instead of one, how can I set it up so those two things benefit each other or those three things benefit one another so that everyone wins because of yeah. my work and my entrepreneurial effort? I mean, that, I mean, I'm, I think I did the, a lot of this, the things I did right, and trust me, there are a lot of things I did wrong. I'm that right we all, we all have, yeah. and I've learned a lot from those failures. I wouldn't change them, uh, you know, because they have defined, you know, who I've become, who I am today, uh, and I'm still failing and learning. Uh, it's mm -hmm. the only way to grow. I look, I look back though, and there's a lot of things I did just by accident uh, that I didn't know was a, an effective strategy. So what I'm hearing from you today, a lot of, um, you know, building that trust, knowing your core values is a mm -hmm. great place to start finding a way into a field so that you can you know do that grow to that if you're worried about taking that that leap uh by yourself and uh, we did that i can tell i can tell you i'm proof of that right here what i stayed in radio i think a year and a half uh just working a couple hours a morning it was part-time mm -hmm. i had to get up at you know 5 a.m or 4 30 in the morning yeah, yeah. go do uh, a couple hours of morning radio i think i was making like 12 50 an hour it was yeah. not you know financially it was not like why i was doing it but it kept me i guess in the business i mean i love doing radio i loved it uh, for over 17 years so it's not that i didn't love it i did it though because when i asked clients, why did you choose me? Or what is it about working with the, me that you appreciate the most? It wasn't the equipment, it wasn't the gear. Well, all of that is expected and you have to deliver on it. What they said was, it's your experience. Like you've been there, you've done it, you're doing it. And so when you're telling me or helping me learn what to do, I know I can trust that. I know that you have that credibility. You, another thing that you alluded to uh, here today. So I think that's a, that's a really smart move uh, maybe people steer away from it because it isn't as financially lucrative right away, but staying, keeping, keeping your, your foot in the industry somehow. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And, and, and it's a differentiating factor for you. I mean, you talked about people don't hire you for the equipment that's in mm -hmm. your studio. That's expected. That's foundational. And if you focus too much on that, you're just a commodity. You're just another damned uh, content. Yeah. Once producer. somebody comes along with better equipment, yeah. they're going to hire them. Someone's going to have better equipment, yeah. no matter how great your equipment is. Um, you're not always going to have the most up to date stuff. Um, <clears throat> location, not so relevant. Um, track record helps but not so relevant the thing that really matters that then makes you not just another production studio or another content creator is that something special the way that you're able to take what it is that really matters or or uh, what the client truly values and match that up with your capabilities to create that product which makes them love you and appreciate you and hence the trust mm -hmm. that's the differentiating factor and if i'm going to hire someone especially for something like this. You know, this is more of a commitment, right? It it takes some time. It's it's more yeah. expensive than buying that can of Boy Scout popcorn. Yeah. Um I want someone that's going to take me that to that 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 place that's above and further beyond what the commoditized version of this provides me. And especially today that point is driven home even more than ever before with access to a global workforce, a global economy where, you know, you're a sales strategist. I could, you know, do a quick Google search and the number of just pages, not even just individual links 
of strategists I could hire to improve my sales is probably endless. You know, I mean, there's probably millions out there. There are going to be a lot that are the cheapest, but I want to hire someone who is going to be the most effective for me. You know, and you have to have you think about what your needs are with those pain points that we talked about. Uh, so I think that's really important. And these are really great lessons uh, that an Omaha business can implement today, mm -hmm. tomorrow. Referral marketing, that's a fancy way to say relationship building. Mm -hmm. It's building that friendship, building that trust. I think the most effective things in business, you could tell me if you agree or not, are free. They don't cost anything. They just take effort and time, mm -hmm. like commitment. Yeah, probably. and discipline. Discipline, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. By the way, my grandma did pay for this studio too, so <laughs> I want to make sure. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, Very sweet of her to do that. <laughs> so let's talk about the opportunities that Omaha business owners and entrepreneurs have specifically here in Omaha. Sure. We've talked about the common thread that connects them all, these keys to finding success, thriving, and surviving. Um, what is it about Omaha that is unique in the opportunities entrepreneurs and business owners have today? I love that question. Omaha is my hometown. I'm proud of the place and uh, and 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 want to see it continue to go to grow and, and do well. And it is special and it is unique in a lot of ways. I would first say, though, that in most ways, doing business in Omaha is absolutely in no way different than anywhere else. Right. So I, I think, you know, in most of the stuff you do, it's the same everywhere you go. And, and I have clients all over the world and I know that. But there are a couple things that make Omaha unique. And one of those is this sense of um, moral obligation, social obligation that people have because the culture has instilled it, not because some external authority has demanded it. And so in Omaha, we see businesses a little more interested in the community than in a lot of other cities. Networking might be a little more important here than it is in other cities. And leaders and successful people and the institutions that they run are a little to a lot more committed to the community. I give some of the credit for that to the late Peter Kiewit. Uh, Peter Kiewit died in 1979, uh, but in the time that he was running um, Kiewit in the 60s and 70s, he had this expectation that executives at his company would be very community oriented. And it's my understanding that he pushed a lot of other executives to make their companies that way. And I think that has in part created a little bit of that corporate ethic that Omaha has on the big company level. And that has kind of evolved or worked its way down to smaller companies like yours and, and mine. So I think you get some credit for that. The other thing is that I think you take that that Midwestern work ethic that is here and you mix it with uh, that kind of that conservative financial approach, but also a willingness to take that calculated risk that probably grows out of our agrarian heritage that we have here in Omaha. And then you throw in this other factor. There's a lot of wealth. Um, people here tend to be wealthy from the very, very wealthy, thanks to people like Warren Buffett and, and I already mentioned and not Peter me. Hewitt. And not me. I'm yet. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I like that. See, he's, he's um, a coach. I can tell. So, so there's a lot of that wealth there that has stayed loyal to mm -hmm. Omaha. And then at the not so dramatic level, um, people like you and me have more wealth a lot of times than people do in the other cities because the business community is strong. There's a work ethic here and 
our cost of living is a little bit lower. Yeah. You put all of that into this vat, right? And the result is a place where the business community tends to be a little more profitable than other places and a little more generous and giving than other yeah. places. And that creates a fun place for you and I to live and work. And like unemployment is low there here. Low. I mean, there's a lot of investment from the city and, and state government. I know the taxes are maybe higher. People mm-hmm. complain about that, but I think that overall, like 99% of the situation here is pretty pretty good as far as an opportunity uh, that you can make the most of. And you know, we talked about referral marketing, relationship building, and uh, that common thread I mentioned at the very beginning in the front end of our conversation here. How can businesses help other businesses? I think we have to ref- reframe it if you don't think this way already. It's just what you said though, and that is, your business grows when you support other businesses. And that's why our startup community is out of, you know, we're literally in the middle of the country here mm-hmm. and we have a really thriving startup community here. And I think that's because of that attitude, that approach. Yeah, our startup community is doing great even though we don't have a highly uh, developed traditional venture capital infrastructure like uh, some places on the coast do. Yeah. In some ways it doesn't necessarily matter because the other parts of this business community here are so supportive of those startups. You build the relationship before you need it. Relationships are an investment. And I think people in this area get that maybe more than people in your typical area. Silicon Valley or wherever you think of when you think startups. Right, exactly. We don't need as highly of an advanced venture capital um, infrastructure here because we build relationships before we need them. Because business owners here take pride in helping out another business owner, even though ostensibly they don't get anything for it. Yeah, and you're right. You can get funding. You can get uh, those venture capitalists they're thinking globally, so you don't need mm-hmm. them to live here in Omaha. That's probably why I think a lot of people when we say, hey, come to Omaha, do business here, and they're from communities that don't do this, mm-hmm. these things that we're talking about here, they don't get it. It, it feels weird, like what? what is the value to being in Omaha, Nebraska, well, it's this, and it is it is the number one value. I would place it over uh, financial value any day of the week. Oh yeah, yeah. So Jeff, uh, it, I'm sure. What, give me your 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 your, your social handles, and I said, give me your handles. That sounds kind of weird. <laughs> uh, where can we find you on uh, the socials and your website for uh, booking you to speak, uh, hiring you as a sales strategist, and all the different the uh, the great ways that you're helping local businesses here in our community? Sure. So in my sales training and consulting life, just go to. Jeff jeffbeals.com and my Facebook and LinkedIn is kind of geared toward that. Um, here locally, as the co-founder and owner of uh, Grow Omaha, the website is growomaha.com. Which is a great name. That I was like it. before, that was when like cool website names were still available. Yeah. <laughs> now somebody squats on them. So if I want like a cool name, I got to pay like 10 grand, which, you know, isn't going to happen. So uh, you were ahead of the curve on that one as well. So yeah, we were lucky yeah. to get that name back in the early 2000s. <laughs> and you've done that. You've helped Omaha grow. I know I appreciate that. Uh, getting to know you uh, early on in my radio career to learning all these things, uh, valuable lessons today. And appreciate you coming on the podcast. We have to have you back on because I know there's like a million other things you, you, uh, you're working Wisdom is endless as far as how we can help uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs, you know, just like me, uh, thrive and succeed, uh, thrive and survive right here in our community. So well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate those compliments, and I appreciate you including me on the program. Absolutely, thanks. Thanks for joining us here today on the Omaha Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we want to hear from you. Let us know what resources you need in upcoming episodes. 
So yeah, we can do something about it. What do you think? You, you down? This is the Omaha Podcast, where Omaha's most successful entrepreneurs help your business grow.